Hi, everyone. Welcome to Forgive and Forget podcast. I'm Vic. Today, I'm talking about two caregiving expressions that I wish I knew about a lot earlier than I did. The one term, had I known about it, would have saved me a lot of guilt and saved mom a lot of upset and stress. This term is called compassionate misinformation. I love the term uh, compassionate misinformation because it's a dignified term for fibbing. And I think we need a dignified term with our dignified job of caregiving. The other term I'm pairing with compassionate misinformation is called false memories. This is when our loved one is coming up with scenarios you know are exaggerated or wildly untrue. False memories usually begins in the earlier stages of dementia, but not necessarily. For my mom, it would be small things like condemning a family member or friend one day and praising them the next without remembering how harshly she judged them the day before. And these are people that I know and know that what she's coming up with is just not accurate. This is a pretty mild definition of false memories. However, false memories can escalate into being combative, delusional, and accusatory. Compassionate misinformation, fibbing, as you may guess, has a dark side, which is fibbing for the benefit of the person fibbing, not for the benefit of their loved one with dementia. This dark side arises from how people, friends, family, even some caregivers misuse compassionate misinformation. The worst thing we can do is outright lie or fib because we think they don't know the difference. Sure, today I can get away with fibbing all the time because I know mom has no retention at all, but not the first five or six years because mom's memory did vacillate between being spot on and wrong. I really didn't know what she remembered or didn't remember, so I didn't risk it. I've seen mom when she's been lied to and when she knows better. It isn't good. That's the next podcast. Um, I talk about the dark side of fibbing in the next podcast. On the flip side, I can tell mom today that we were just at the cabin for the weekend or that she was over at my house for dinner. Um, My purpose for that is because I can see her face brighten when I tell her about a weekend or dinners at my house. It makes her feel good, like she still has some semblance of a life, that we still do things we used to do. And I believe this is exactly why the term compassionate misinformation was created. It is to specifically calm and comfort them. That's it. Bottom line, if we use compassionate misinformation with integrity and honesty, we will never get caught in its immoral net. I know that sounds like a contradiction in terms to use the word fibbing in the same sentence as integrity and honesty, but it isn't. And I will explain why today. So these are my two focuses, false memories and the good side of compassionate misinformation. So, let's begin. 
Passionate misinformation holds a lot of trust and accountability. I almost said responsibility, but I think accountability is more accurate. How a person uses compassionate misinformation is very telling of what kind of person they are in general. It can either erode your moral compass or preserve it. As for false memories, my first real experience with false memories came up in March of 2013. And I am pairing these two terms together because they go hand in hand. I was taking my first trip since the poo hit the fan with mom halfway through 2008. At the time, I thought the best way to handle my going away on this trip was to start talking about it with mom a few weeks prior. You know, kind of prep her, putting it on her calendar, dropping hints, post-it notes, um, all things pointing towards my being away. I noticed that I had to repeat myself and that I was going over details of the trip every time I brought it up. Clearly, she was not remembering anything. The other thing I noticed was every time I brought up the trip, it would visibly upset her. I was missing the signs that she was spinning this trip into something that got wildly distorted. And I know why I missed the signs. I was focused on my time off. I was focused on having some fun for a change, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I wasn't picking up on the level of her anxiety. And in truth, I didn't want to pick up on it because I didn't want to not go. I had been the dutiful daughter without a break. Anyway, the day I left, I stopped by mom's house only to find her terribly upset with a horrible look on her face. So I went over and sat down at the kitchen table and gently asked, What's going on, mom? You don't look ready for your photo shoot for Vanity Fair. That made her smile, yet she still blurted out, you don't even know who these people are, and you don't know who you're visiting. They could murder you. Wow. (laughs) I didn't laugh. Oh, maybe I did, because I didn't know any better. I was able to calm her down and get her laughing, get her back to her usual jovial self, but... This visit before I got on the plane told me she was not going to remember this conversation either. So I had the caregiver keep mom busy while I covertly erased my trip on her calendar. I got rid of post-it notes that had anything to do with the trip. And I knew that I was going to have to enlist fibbing for the next four days, which I was absolutely not comfortable with. I didn't know it was a legitimate form of care in the caregiving world, that compassionate misinformation is a valid term. And I did feel I'd be struck down by lightning and crushed by the heel of God with his apostolic sandals. So, in hindsight, number one, I needed to pay closer attention to mom never remembering a thing about the upcoming trip or never remembering a prior conversation, or the conversation before that, or the one before that. She would ask the same questions over and over again, meaning her memory was really poor. 
worse than I thought. I missed all that. Number two, I wasn't paying close enough attention to the distress this trip was causing her. Her making up wild stories of me getting hurt or getting murdered. Her thinking I was behaving irresponsibly with people I didn't know should have triggered something within me. But truly and undeniably, I was more focused on the trip than paying attention. Because I didn't know these two terms, I went through years of feeling guilty as hell. What I mean by that is if other people were around, I felt I had to explain my lying that they were about to hear. (laughs) Do I care about what other people think? Yes. I remember being on the plane, actually, before takeoff, and I had time to call mom. I felt so guilty about the upcoming conversation I knew this man would overhear. A complete stranger, mind you. And I turned to him and I said, you're going to hear me outright lie to my mother. She has Alzheimer's. And he smiled and said, I understand. I was so worried about lying and what he would think or people would think that every single time my armpits got sweaty and my tummy would do flips. I known about these terms, understood that making up wild stories is a symptom of dementia, and I can fib legitimately, I would have stopped talking about the trip. Just stopped talking about it. Or better yet, never brought it up in the first place. Always behave that life is business as usual. Mom responded well to life being status quo. No upsetting the apple cart. Had I known I could fib legitimately, I could take her calls while I was away and fake my way through the conversation without the guilt. But at the time, I didn't do that because I didn't know. I didn't know. One of my saddest, most embarrassing memories of unintentionally hurting mom was when she had been at her new assisted living residence for maybe a month. During a visit, she got very serious and said, I have made a decision. I would like to come over to your house twice a week and spend the night. And I would also like to go up to the cabin every weekend. Now, mind you, there was an era, the worst era of about eight months during 2013 of my being her caregiver. Sure, I was able to get her moved, but that was like pushing a boulder uphill. It was a nightmare getting to that point. I was unhappy. I was fatigued. I was beyond depressed to the degree I rubbed elbows with going to sleep and never waking up. That's a story for another time. But I was that far gone mentally and physically. Because I did not know better, my answer to mom's request of coming to my house twice a week and going up to the cabin every weekend was the truth. I said, no, mom, I am so sorry, but I can't do that. I don't think you realize how messed up I am. The toll the last four years has taken on me. I need space. I need quiet. I need to sleep. I need to decompress. And this will take time. I'm sorry, but I can't do what you're asking. Not right now. Well, while I was blathering on, 
She started crying. Of course she did. Great job, Vic. Had I known better, my answer should have been, absolutely, that would be fun. Let me see what my work schedule looks like and we'll go from there. I knew her retention was not reliable, failing to the point she wouldn't even remember this conversation. What I do know for sure is the pain I caused mom by saying no. Then I made it worse by telling her truthfully how exhausted I was and why. The point is, this was a perfect example where I could have kept mom calm and happy by fibbing. It is an accepted practice in the caregiving world. (laughs) Some of the dramas that I've watched lately, uh, Afterlife and the other one is Unforgotten, both had dementia woven into their plots. I found myself cringing when the son or daughter would lose patience with their parents' question, like, uh, where's Carol? Why isn't Carol here? I want to see Carol. And they'd say, and very frustrated, they'd say, Carol's dead, remember? I love how they say remember, as if that would suddenly make them remember. But no, they don't remember because they can't remember. They just asked where they were, for heaven's sakes. I think we think by telling the truth, that will stick and they'll never ask again. But do they? Do they not ever ask again where Carol is? No. The only thing the truth does, saying Carol is dead, is sadden them, confuse them. We can just as easily say, hey, they'll be back shortly, Dad. They've only just gone to the grocery store. Or they've gone out for a bit. Do you think they'll remember our fib dancer any more than the truth? No, they don't remember either one. So which one will comfort them, the truth or a fib? So just go along. Keep them calm and comforted in that moment. It's always in that moment. That's where they're coming from. So join them in that moment. (laughs) Eckhart Tolle would be very proud hearing me say that. So in closing, to fib with love is simply a tool. We do need to have an idea where our loved one is at with their retention. And if we don't know, it's fine. Just err on the side of honesty. We can never go wrong with the truth. As for false memories, let them tell their tale. Say things that will comfort and assuage their fears and accusations. What we don't want to say is, oh, gosh, you're full of it. That is absolutely not true. Stop it. No, always keep their dignity and integrity in mind. Just try and remember the most important moment is that moment. Make them feel good and comforted in that moment. I hope I've done a reasonable job explaining these. Boy, I sure could have used information about false memories and compassionate misinformation a long time ago. So I hope this podcast will help you avoid mistakes that I made. Thanks for sticking with me. Thank you for putting up with my novice efforts in podcasting. (laughs) I still have to learn a few tricks with the microphone and volume control. So, and I also hear my pup's paw nails on the floor. Clickety clack. (laughs) That's what that is if you hear it. My studio is very rudimentary at best. Rest, be kind, be kind during COVID times. We never know what someone else is going through. 
And of all people, we should understand that. So if others can't be the bigger person, you be. Take care, and I will walk with you again soon. Bye now.